please be seated and happy Mother's Day. I want to join the rest of them in saying that to you. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. The mother that I believe has traveled the farthest today is Wendy Anderson. Wendy, where are you at? Wendy, why don't you come on up? This is Wendy Anderson. Yes. It's a clap for Wendy, a lot of you know Wendy. Um, many of you know her by face. Many of you know her personally. Um, a lot of you know her from a lot of, I think it turned around there. Just takes a second for it to kick in. We're not as high tech up here as you guys are in Juarez. Um, it, <laughs> and anyway, so, so Wendy, Wendy uh, a lot of you know her. And, and my hope is as time goes on, everybody at our church is going to know Wendy, they're going to know the people down at Emmanuel Children's Home down in Juarez, Mexico. So Wendy was up for a wedding, and she said, hey, I'll be in town. And I said, please, could you come and, and, and share a few things with us? So the first thing is, could you share a little bit about the home? Because we have so many people that are new here. Um, they don't know about Emmanuel Home, and it's more than that. It's Emmanuel Ministries. So. Right. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. What a privilege to be here on Mother's Day. Because um, my picture of a mother is a safe place. I think that's our goal as mothers, is to be a safe place for our children. And Emmanuel Ministries was started in the early 60s as a safe place for children and as a place to partner with mothers who, though they loved and cared about their children, they could not provide a safe place for them. So they were on the streets as their mothers went to find work or they were locked in their houses as their mothers went to work, depending on the mom. You know, she thought safer out or safer in. Either way, they weren't going to school, they weren't being fed three meals a day, they, did, they you know, were not being provided for, they were not in a safe place. So the children's home was started with eight children in a little adobe, like eight by ten room. A woman was hired to feed them and get them ready to go to school. We have a hundred children now, 50 years later, almost 50 years later. Crazy. And that is our major goal, to be a safe place. What does that mean? First of all, obviously, it means a place where they're not in danger physically. It means a place that they get nutrition so that they can grow to be healthy adults. It means a place where they're safe emotionally uh, from abuse, from fear, from the things that tear at our emotions. And they're safe spiritually, where they learn about God's love for them. And that is really what Emmanuel Ministries is about primarily the children's home. Then we have a school uh, where all of our children pre-K through sixth grade go. And then we also offer it for our neighborhood. It's a very poor neighborhood in the west corner of Juarez. And um, it's a safe place for those kids as well. And a place where they learn that they can be what God calls them to be. And their dreams, you know, they do have an opportunity to dream and not feel like I'm never gonna make it. You know, I, I have no chance. They know that they have lots of opportunity. We also have a clinic, a medical clinic, and a dental clinic, so our kids get checkups once a year. I mean, a lot of Americans don't do that. Um, <laughs> they don't necessarily like going to the dentist, but you know, they're gonna have teeth that when they're adults, they can still chew, you know? Um, we also have a ballet academy that was started I guess almost 10 years ago now. And actually some of you may know Becca Wilson now who um, Kirsten Anderson or Avalar started it. And then Becca. Who's um, your daughter? Who's my daughter, yes. And uh, Becca now uh, runs the Emmanuel Ballet Academy. 
Um, I'd also like to introduce my daughter, Whitney. She's, did she run? There she is. Stand up, Miha. <laughs> um, I have three daughters, uh, or we, my husband and I have three daughters, uh, Kirsten, Bridget, and Whitney. And Whitney is now working with us at Emmanuel. She lives in Juarez. And um, I travel from El Paso to over the border every day. So it's a privilege to have her working with us um, as well. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. One of my favorite, yeah, one of my favorite Whitney stories is um, I was last time I was down visiting these guys. Um, she she was talking with her mom. We were having this conversation, and then Whitney turns to to Whitney. So how do you say that in English? Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> that, she's really lot, she's yeah. all in. She's all in when it comes to Juarez. Um, hey, real quick too, with uh, Juarez is in the news, like, uh, and and it's usually never good news up here. Right. Um, do you want to address that? Because safe and Juarez sometimes don't. They don't seem to be used the same sentence very often. Yeah. So what's, um, what's it like? What's from an insider perspective? Okay. You, who's been there before? Who's been to the children's home? Okay. So um, most of you have been there. This is what would be different now from when you were there. You would see a lot of federales in navy blue trucks, you know, running, well, not running, in their trucks going around the city. You'd see a lot of soldiers in their trucks with machine guns mounted to the tops of their trucks. You would hear helicopters quite daily doing rounds around the city. You would see a lot of empty buildings. In the Mercado, there are probably 20% of the booths are open. So there has been, it, it's kind of a ghost town in ways because it's a bustling city of like 2.5 million people. Um, so a lot of the centers of activity have closed down. People have fled the city. People with money um, and a way to, to make a living elsewhere have left. We are in the northwest corner of the city. If you did a map, you know, like they do in crime dramas where you map out, you know, all the, the killings, the majority of them are way south and east of the children's home. We're in a very poor part of town. We're on the very edge of town. The cartels, the narco, narco, the narcos, you know, they, we're not on their radar. They are where the nightclubs are because they own the nightclubs and they're hanging out there and there's one huge strip of road about three miles long that the majority of the activity has happened. It's far away from us. Have people died in our area? Yes, they have. Um, are they targeting Americans? Absolutely not. When an American, you know, I, because I track this stuff because people ask, right? Um, and every time an American citizen, quote unquote, has been killed, it's been a hit based on something they were doing involved with the narcos. Now, were they necessarily bad guys? Not necessarily, but they're after the bad guys or whatever. And the good and the bad guys, it's very muddy there. It's extremely muddy. The other thing you would see, especially at the children's home, is you'd see 100 kids who are full of joy and peace and feel safe and really have very little awareness of what a mess their city is in. A couple of their parents have been impacted. Um, one big impact has been the maquilas, which are the factories. Uh, a lot of them have shut down or reduced their hours. And so mothers who are making 45 to $60 a week have been reduced to two shifts a week, 
which means 16 to 20 bucks a week they're making. So, you know, that is an impact. But as far as if you come, those that come, we'd love to have you. I mean, this is the biggest impact, negative impact for us, is a big part of who we are is having people come and love on our kids and just hug them and let them know people care about them. And they really, our kids think Americans rock. <laughs> no question. And not because they have stuff, but because they have arms and they have joy and they're willing to play games with them and just, just love them, you know. And that is, to me, the biggest sad part for us specifically is that we have way less people coming. So we We'll be really excited about those that will come and you just need to pray about it you know people say I want guarantees or whatever you know there are no guarantees people who you know sent their children to college in Virginia or college in you know and a good school and then you know we just never know so we just all have to say okay God what do you want me to do and then do it that's Kind of the bottom line. Well, the last thing I'd like to have you share here yeah. is um, some of the stories of some of the kids, because it's not an organization, it's people. And here are, some, here are a couple of the, the kids, um, just some stories of some folks. Okay, this first one is Kevin. He's um, in the middle in a lot of these. Kevin Reyes. He's right up here, too. And this is Guero. Anyway, um, I, when Chris said, hey, can you come and, and share, I thought, you know, it would be kind of fun to talk about a couple kids who uh, you guys are connected with. And I don't know how many know David and Robin Kirk. Do you guys know them? A couple people know them. They um, are from Minnesota, and they sponsor Kevin. And Kevin has um, two, he has a sister and a brother. He's the middle child. His grandmother used to care for him, but she became very ill. So we helped her be a grandma. So we, um, Kevin lives with us, and we provide he and his sisters care, and um, and he he's a good kid. He's a really good kid. He he loves soccer, and um, this is them at their Christmas program with the school. His class, obviously, their their uniform for the day was hats and gloves, and it wasn't because it was that cold. It was because they were trying to be the Christmas theme. Okay, we can do the next group. Okay, so which one is this? This one must be, because somebody, there's, oh, yeah. Yahida. Okay. Yahida is sponsored by Gretchen Studensky. Right? You recognize her? Yeah. Now, isn't this cool? Chris's mom is a grandma to Yahida. This is Yahida. Here. And um, she has a troubled family, hugely troubled family. Um, but you know, she's quite adjusted. And her, her grandmother, I, I, I've seen her with her grandmother. Her grandmother loves her, but her grandmother's a mess. You know, aren't we, aren't some of us? But her grandma loves her enough that she said, you know what, I, I can't do this, I need help. So Yahida is with us. When you see her with her grandma, it's kind of like Yahida is the one who's the stable one. But we can be her extended family, and we can be the ones that provide her hope that the cycle that's been in her family can be broken with Yahida. So she also gets counseling. We have quite a few people, children now, that we send to counseling on a weekly or twice a week basis to, to figure out how to do life in a healthy way. And Yahida is one of our stories. Um, they were at a little farm here, so 
that's where the, I think those are rabbits, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, anyway, okay, so that's Yehida. So Gretchen has Yehida, and we are so thankful for Gretchen. She has, she definitely immerses herself in the care of the children that, that she uh, takes on through the years. Okay, next group. This is Domali. She's right here on the end. And that's her in her at her ballet recital. And isn't it cool? I think it's so cool that kids who are so poor get to yeah. enjoy the beauty of dance. And the beauty of getting up on stage with a little costume, feeling like a princess, and everyone making a big deal about them. I mean, isn't that part of being a kid? Or isn't it a wonderful part of being a kid? So this is Domali. She has two sisters, Fatima and Brantha, beautiful girls. Um, again, kind of a grandma situation. And um, in her case, I'm trying to remember now, which one is this? Oh, yeah, this one, grandma got sick. A lot of what we have is children from single, single parents, primarily mothers, who came for work in Wattis, and there is not really daycare in Wattis. Or if there is, and you make 60 bucks a week, are you going to pay a daycare person? You know. So the grandma was caring for these three girls, and she became ill. So she was no longer able to care for them. So Domali is one of our girls, and actually the Kirks have her as well. Okay, next. Okay, look at this little snug bug here. <laughs> Isn't she a doll? Her name is Judith. And she has a big sister, Jacqueline. And Judith, she's just a delight. She's only four years old. But she is the person that if you come, she's usually hanging in the dorm. And when Americans come, she feels it's her job to do the tour. <laughs> And she knows where everyone sleeps on that floor, and you need to see everyone's bed. So she will take you to the bed, and she will say the name of the person, and then point to the next bed. So she's my little tour guide, Judith. She, um, I mean, she's just, that smile is almost always there. And her sister, Jacqueline, is a beautiful young lady, and really bright, and um, again, a grandma situation. You know, sometimes, you know, moms have issues, and we, we just can't do it anymore. And that's our job as the body of Christ, is, is to step in and help. So that's um, Judith. She's one of my faves. Okay, and then the next is, okay, this is, um, yeah, if we can go back to the first part. This is Miguel, but I want to show... Miguel with his mom, the first slide of Miguel, if possible. Um, Miguel has been with us uh, for quite a while. And do you know Steve and Natalie Schmidt? Yeah, Steve's, yeah, they're here. Okay, there they are. Um, they sponsor Miguel and Fernando, their brothers. So this is their mom, Monica. She is one tough cookie, let me tell you. Um, she is a cancer survivor. And she's learning English because she'd like to be a bilingual secretary. She has a daughter who just died. And this is her granddaughter, Euridia. Euridia lives with us as well. Um, and Miguel and Fernando have been with us for a long time. I'm trying to remember, at least six, seven years, I'm thinking. 
Yeah, I'm looking at Whitney. She's my calendar. Um, Miguel is super well adjusted. Fernando has some challenges. He really struggles with when things aren't going well for him, he goes into shutdown mode. I don't know if anyone else experiences that in their life. And he is really strong about staying shut down. So we're getting him counseling a couple times a week. And Monica just, you know, she comes to church. She, she's there for her, her kids. We helped her when her daughter um, ended up dying. She, she had multiple issues. She had AIDS. She had several things. But basically, Social, Service, Social Security Hospital said, we need $2,000 or else we need to turn off life support on this woman. And she's like 21 years old. And so Monica said to Battelle, you know, I'm going to need to bury my daughter. And Battelle said, well, is she dead? Well, no, but they said that they can't, you know, do any more. So someone, you know, we did all this stuff, found an ambulance, got her to a, a private care hospital. People helped out with her. And she, and she actually came out of her coma and um, had a month or two left where she basically just, you know, say goodbye to people. She did end up dying. But it wasn't just because someone pulled a plug on her because she didn't have the money, which um, it happens, you know. But anyway, Monica's a, a dear lady and, and has been through a lot. And Miguel, you can look at his smile. That is, he, he's kind of a, a dickens sometimes, too. <laughs> but he's bright. He's really good at everything he tries. And Fernando is coming out. You can see a little bit, you know, the difference between the two. Fernando is not totally sure, but he's come a long way. And we are committed to Monica and Miguel and Fernando and Uridia to, you know, help them be what God's calling them to be. And it's because of people in the United States and actually around the world, but specifically you guys from Emmanuel who are making the difference. And we so appreciate everything you're doing, and we would love to have you visit if God says it's okay. So, thanks so much. Well, here, come up here quick. Let me pray for okay. you before you okay. go anywhere. You know, there's a lot of important things that we do when we gather uh, as, a, as a church, and one of them is to, to get inspired by this and then to be asking questions of what does it mean. Let me give you some real practical steps. One, start praying for, the, for this group. You know, if, if we can target prayers towards them, um, at, at any given day, anything can happen there. Yeah. Literally, anything can happen. So if you could be praying, that's, that's huge. Um, the, the second thing is get on their email list. Uh, you can, on, the, on your bulletin, I have the information there. They send out about once a month um, these stories, and you can hear what God is doing in, in the midst, and that's a powerful thing. And then, as she said, be praying beyond that. Um, this summer, a bunch of us are going down, and then when we come back, we're going to have some plans this fall that we're going to talk about. But what, what specifically can we do more as a church? What's God asking of us? So we'll have some more for you this fall as far as specific steps. But let's, let's pray for, for um, Wendy. Um, Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you. We thank you that that you never give up on people. And we thank you that these kids have people um, who know them by name and by story, that these kids aren't just faceless folks out there who, who someone's giving a bowl of rice to, but these are kids who are receiving your love and your care and hope as a result of you working through your people. So Lord, we thank you for the folks who are there on the ground every day. We ask that you give them everything they need. And then Father, we pray for ourselves that you will show us what it means to rise to the occasion and to do what pure religion is, to care for the widows and orphans. 
So Lord, show us what that means for us as we partner with them. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's uh, give them a hand. Honor this. Uh,